Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're in our fall series called Live Well. As we look at biblical principles together, this series will help equip you to live well through the challenges we all face in life. I want to welcome you back to week three of this series that we kicked off here this fall. I hope that you've had an opportunity to join us in it and participate. We have small groups going and we have been talking about living well. Living well, the title being Live Well, which what we're learning is that a lot of times we don't believe that we can go to Jesus and he wants to talk to us about where we live and where we are every single day. And we're surprised to find out, in fact, that in John 10, 10, that's been our theme verse or thesis verse, you may be surprised to know this or maybe you need to be reminded of it and that is Jesus said, I came that you might have life. That's the Greek word zoe and that is God's kind of life and that you might have it to the full or you might have it abundantly. And so when people hear that, you're like, well, wait a minute, does that calculate the fact that we're human beings and we mess up and we have problems and we have challenges? No, no, Jesus addresses all that but he says, in the midst of your inadequacies, in the midst of your failures, in the midst of your circumstances, I still am the source of life. I'm the place you need to come if you wanna learn how to live well. And so we've been looking at several aspects of life. We talked about transitions and change. We talked last week about stress. I encourage you if you want to go listen to that message because that's one of the top things people ask for help on. And we talked a little bit about stress. And really this week, I believe, connects to both of those because they impact this area that I believe a lot of times is overlooked And it's a place in our lives that we don't a lot of times think we would go to Jesus or go to church for that matter or to the Bible or have a pastor talk to us about. We're gonna talk about our emotional life. I'm gonna ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to John chapter 11. I'm gonna tell you this story and I'm gonna highlight a couple of components of it in John chapter 11. I'll start in verse 32, but I'm gonna tell you this it's, it's an anchor story, it's a critical story that tells us a lot about Jesus and it also is so critical to even the understanding of Jesus and faith and Christianity. I mean, it is, it is such a main section of scripture. We're gonna look at it in a minute. I wanna welcome those watching online, welcome those also at 1230 or maybe someone watching this message later. Would you put your hands together, celebrate everybody that's a part of it today. I also, want to celebrate all of you. You are such a critical part of what God's doing here. If you are a part of our serve team, I just want to celebrate you because you have jobs, you have responsibilities, you have kids or grandkids, you have things in your life, and it takes all of us as a team to do what we do here. And there are so many lives being impacted, so many people coming to Christ. We have a big baptism weekend next weekend. So many lives that are being changed. And the fact is, we can't do it alone. Our staff team can't do it. I can't do it. We need each other. In fact, I like to say it this way. We as individuals can't do everything, but we can all do something. Let's talk about this area this week of living well. Let's talk about this emotional area, okay? You're, some of you are just like, okay, how do we connect the dots here for a minute? Because if you come and listen to a message, you're thinking, okay, a pastor is gonna help me with my spiritual life. 
So he's gonna talk to me about my spiritual well-being. He's gonna talk to me about Jesus and we lose sight of how that's interconnected with our emotional life, but we expect to hear some spiritual things. If you don't even have any connection to Jesus in our current world today, you would think, okay, if I'm gonna live well, I need to think about my physical life, right? Come on, we gotta you know, maybe lose a few pounds, we gotta go, go get a physical, we gotta find out how our cholesterol's doing, anybody getting older, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we gotta find out that good and bad cholesterol number, we gotta look at that report, so we think a little bit about our, our physical life. We think about our relational life, we're gonna hit that in this series. It's hard to live well when you have just, just explosions all around your relational life, and what I'm talking about this weekend impacts your relationships massively. And so we all wanna live better relationally. But I find that one of the areas that we don't think a lot of times God can help us with, we don't really think about even coming to church. Like when we think about coming to church, you're thinking, okay, wait a minute, that's a group of people with a set of religious rules. They're principle oriented, right is right, wrong is wrong. And so I just kind of emotionally disconnect and then I just need the right information so I know what I'm not supposed to do. And that's what we kind of think about. We think, you know, God kind of created us. He just sort of put the universe in motion, wound us up, and he's just sitting back way off distant in the cloud somewhere, disconnected from where we're really at, so he doesn't know how to engage with this side of us, this emotional life. Yet the emotional side is huge. It's massive. And, and, and just a little bit of something going wrong there can affect everything going on in our lives. And we don't, a lot of times, tend to it. And some of you kind of stuff it. And some of you right now are thinking, this message isn't for me. It's probably for you. Because when we stuff it all and hide it all, then we have just greater explosions later. And if you get depleted emotionally, then you're gonna minimize your ability to offer your contribution to what God has called you to contribute to because you will not have what you need to give what you need because you're depleted emotionally. This week I was in the front yard with my youngest, Lainey Kate. She started playing volleyball, having a little trouble getting it over the net. As we say in East Texas, she, she's got not enough lead in her britches, so she doesn't have enough boote to get the ball over the net. She just swings with her arm. I'm like, girl, you don't have big enough biceps. You gotta get your boote into the ball, okay? So I was teaching her how to do the booty move. Y'all are like, okay, what does that mean? But anyway, okay, so I was teaching her how to do that, and, and she goes, Dad, can you hit it very far? I said, whoa, 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 okay, don't challenge the man of God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, so I took it, man, I just hit it as hard as I could and it stuck in the top of a tree in my front yard. And it stuck in the top of the tree. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I got a problem. So I went in the garage and I got a football, you know? Uncle Rico came out, y'all know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, I played line, I never touched the ball. But anyway, I threw the football up there, it got stuck in the tree. This really happened. So I'm like, man, now what am I gonna do? Go back in the garage, I bring out a broom. I throw the broom up there, it gets stuck in the tree. I get a push broom, which is heavier, and then I throw it up there, it gets stuck in the tree. Yes, this continues. I threw a rake in the tree, now I have my whole garage in the tree. It all started with something little. You're like, what did you do? Well, I'm standing out there, you know, I don't have a good flashlight, there's all this stuff, now it's gotten dark. My neighbor pulls up and she played softball for the University of Texas. She went in her garage, got a softball, and she was like, Bing, knocking stuff out of my tree. Thank God for good neighbors, you know what I'm saying? You never know when you need somebody to knock some stuff out of your tree. 
Well, I was thinking about you after all that event. You're like, that's comical. I never, if you would have told me that I'd ended up with that much stuff in the tree, I never would have believed it. And I was just thinking about you and thinking about emotions. And I thought what started with a little volleyball problem ended up with a whole garage full of problems. And so it is with our emotions and our thoughts. You don't expect it to end up there. You don't expect that it would ever end up. In fact, you couldn't even fabricate in your mind that you would end up in that place, but emotions are so strong. When's the last time you had the emotion of anger? How, how far did it take you? It took you further probably than you thought. I saw a guy this week with a thing on his hand. I said, what happened to you, man? He said, I hit a wall. I got so angry, I hit a wall and it broke his hand. When's the last time you had great excitement? So you had a good emotion, gratitude, fulfillment, contentment, happiness, whatever it might be, you had that emotion. When's the last time you had grief or missed expectation or worry or fear? Here's, here's what I've learned in my own life and from pastoring people. A lot of times we can look at an emotion or a situation that's dominating someone else's life and identify it easier than we can in our own lives. We can see it in operation. In fact, there was a Princeton study that was actually done where they took subjects and researched them and they asked them to ascribe words and put words. When they began to think about themselves, they began to put these words down and they did this study with them sort of evaluating themselves. And the study was inconclusive because they could not identify things that related to them. But when given words and different descriptions of someone else and their picture, they were easily able to make the match in someone else's life. And so the whole study has to do with this idea of bias, that we have a bias blindness, okay? A bias blindness. And what does that mean? We can see it in someone else, but a lot of times it's hard for us to really see how we're doing. We think, and I'm saying this about myself, we think we are principled, rational people, but the fact is we're very emotional beings. We do what we feel like doing. Can I help some of y'all raising teenagers right now? You think that if they have the right information, they'll make the right choice. So you show them studies, you build out charts, you put in front of them all kinds of reading material, you expose them to different people that can teach them the right thing, and you learn all the while, they do what they feel like doing. So emotions are huge. How do we direct them? How do we correct them? How do we deal with this emotional life? And as I said, a lot of times we think God doesn't have a lot of answers. I love John chapter 11 because Jesus came to reveal to us God and he says something to us about the God that we worship that he's not as distant and stoic and disconnected as we might think. Now to do justice to this chapter, this is a critical moment, a huge moment, and the primary thing we learn here, you're like, just sum it up for me, give me the cliff notes. The primary thing we learn here from Jesus at this point in his journey is, he's not coming just to give right information. He's not coming just to be known as a great teacher. He's not coming just to do a few miracles and a few signs and wonders. He's coming to bring dead people back to life. 
He's coming not to just add religious activity, information, stoic behavior change. He's coming to take people who are dead and resurrect them back to life. And this is a major moment in Jesus's life. It's a major moment for all of us because it starts showing us where Jesus will ultimately head. Jesus will ultimately die. Why does he have to die? To take my sin and your sin on the cross. He makes the perfect sacrifice that we could never make. He dies for our sin. He makes the payment before God that you could never make. And then he raises from the dead, and that is so awesome because we don't worship a distant stoic philosophy and theory. We worship a living Jesus who's alive today, who sits at the right hand of the Father, and so he's personal and relational. And this whole chapter tells us about his purpose, but I also wanna hone in on his person. It shows us the relational side of God and the relational Jesus that we worship. Let me give you the setting. Some of you know the story, but I don't wanna assume anybody knows the story. There's some of you that know it, but let's, 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 let's listen to the characters involved. There's two sisters, Mary and Martha. You may have known there's a story about them that sort of categorizes them, Mary being this worshiper and she had these extravagant worship moments. The text refers to that. Martha being a little more administrative, a little more calculative, the one that had the desire to be hospitable and have things organized and shows she's a little more of an organizer and there's a story in the Bible that talks about their different traits and personalities and, and Jesus was friends with them. In fact, Jesus would go stay at their house. I'm so glad Jesus had friends. I just love that. Jesus would go, these were his friends. He loved these people. He would go hang out with them. And their brother who Jesus loves that the Bible tells us, he is sick and he's dying. The sisters send word to Jesus, and now this is very important, Jesus is only two miles away from them. So Jesus in just a few hours could have got over there and fixed this problem, but he keeps going back to the fact that he is doing this this way to display something about himself, and he's making a powerful statement about his entire purpose on the earth. And so Jesus delays, which is what creates the tension for the moment for us to see the person of Jesus Christ. So they send for him, and he doesn't come, and by the time that he does come, Lazarus, the one here that is sick, has been dead for four days. He shows up and Martha immediately, remember the administrative one, she starts bringing up to him, look, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. She starts bringing up the details as if Jesus doesn't understand what's going on. She's a little bit accusatory, if you will, or at least sad about some things, and so she's reacting somewhat emotionally, but she's talking about the principles, and I love this. Now, just, just get this. I love how Jesus meets us where we are. So with Martha, he starts telling her, look, I have an intentional plan here. And he starts talking to her about the principles of the resurrection and about what's ultimately going to happen and do you believe this? And he talks to her about those beliefs. But then enter Mary. Mary shows up. Look what it says here in John eleven thirty two. 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Notice though, she's still bringing up the situation, but she is overly emotional. She falls at his feet. Remember, she's the worshiper, and so she comes like she is as well. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. I'm so glad the Bible actually says this twice, that the Jesus we worship was deeply moved in spirit. He was troubled. Look at this. He knows what's gonna happen. 
And so even his foreknowledge, though, is, 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 it's, it's, he's, he is God, and yet also he's operating here in, in, as, in, in a humanity-type way, and so he's God and he's man, and so it's hard for us to understand that, so he has foreknowledge, but that foreknowledge does not usurp his compassion. So his compassion is flowing, he's deeply moved in spirit, and he says, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That shows us the personal side that Jesus comes and meets us and connects with whatever we're going through. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And then he goes on with Martha, and Martha comes into, again, some discussion with him. By the way, Martha is trying to convince Jesus, because remember, she knows the details of things going on, and she's kind of like, Jesus, he's, he's been dead for four days. This is probably not gonna go well. She's having trouble with what he's about to do. <laughs> Jesus, I love it. Jesus, so they took Jesus away. Uh, they took the stone away. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. One preacher said the reason he had to define it was Lazarus because if he would have gave another name, then a whole graveyard full of people might have come out. <laughs> the dead came out, his hands and feet, uh, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face, and Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Again, primary picture is no matter what's dead in our lives, sin kills. Our natural lives bring death, but the power of Jesus is to come and to resurrect us to newness of life, to become a new creation. Old things passed away and all things become new. But in the midst of Jesus doing that, Jesus comes and connects with us where we are and he sees us in our emotional state if you will, with Mary and Martha, and I didn't even bring up all the stuff with the disciples. And here's what I find today. We tend to respond, and even in spiritual circles, if you will, it, we, it, people of faith tend to sort of respond in two extremes when it comes to our approach with the emotional things we're carrying, with the baggage, with the things in our tree. We tend to kind of be a little disingenuous and have a lack of authenticity and a lot of times we can come across to people like, you know, we're kind of faking it till we make it and it's just like, how you doing? And I'm fine. And you know, you've had fights all week and you fought all the way to church and you walk in and people go, how you doing? You're like, I'm blessed. Praise the Lord, God, Jesus. I mean, we just look so good on the outside. It's kind of like everything's fine and we never take time to have any kind of honest relationships or be honest about where we're at and so we can kind of take a plastic veneer which communicates to people on the outside sometimes that Christian people have no problems and it can be fake a little bit. The other side though is that we don't know how to get help with our emotional dysfunction so now with social media, we can process it to the world. And it's actually a great branding technique today is in the name of authenticity, we dump all of our emotional baggage to the world all the time. To, to kind of like, that'll connect more people. By the way, if you connect people only around dysfunction, they will stop following you at some point because no one wants to live their life around dysfunction all the time, okay? So there's a need for authenticity. There's a need for help, there's a need for victory, and there's a need for honesty. How do we approach that? 
I know for me, I didn't grow up in a church where we spent a lot of time talking about our emotional health. We talked about a little bit about physical health. We talked a lot about spiritual things. We talked a lot about theology, but I didn't learn a lot about emotional health and how to be more emotionally healthy. And so several years ago, I started on that journey. I shared last week about stress. And as a result of that, I started learning some things. I even recently went for a little bit of assessment in the area of team building and emotional health and how to be more stable even as a, as a, as a pastor and as a team builder. And I went through this exercise and I had to go for two days and, and I had to put out all of the different things and background and leadership styles and my team got a chance to contribute. And I, I realized in the middle of it, why we just kind of push our emotional health to the side and we just keep driving and what's next on the calendar and never think about that bucket, because it's exhausting. No one wants to do that. It's like being stressed out is like a badge of honor in our culture. I'm stressed, how are you? I'm stressed too. I got emotional issues. Okay, all right, wow, okay, good. Praise God, brother. Uh, But the emotional issues are a lot of times driving the stress. I realize that it's exhausting a little bit, but here's what I learned on the other side when I got a chance to sit with my team. Hey, I see some of these things. I wanna work on some of these things. I'd like to tell you I've fixed all of it, but what I can tell you is I'm getting better. I'm getting better, I'm growing. So why do I tell you that? You never stop growing in what I'm talking about this weekend. The need to have Jesus come into your grief, the need for Jesus to come into your pain. We have a specific issue of grief and major trauma here that Jesus is dealing with, but it applies in all areas that he comes and he weeps with us and meets with us and can help us process. Whatever your step is, maybe you need to go to our environment called Restore, or maybe you need to go through Freedom, or maybe you need to get in a small group where you can process with some others. I don't know what your step is, because you may look at me and go, Pastor, that's so far from where I'm at. All I'm trying to model for you is, we all can take steps to be more emotionally healthy, and you can't live well if you're not emotionally healthy. You say, how do we do that? Here's some things I've learned, five ways. Number one, remember God meets us in our emotions. This is probably, for some of you just exploring this, this is kind of revelatory. Okay, wait a minute, God is not just some distant God who's busy and aloof and kind of created the universe and doesn't understand us or doesn't connect with us and the last place I think I would go is to God when I'm dealing with all these emotional things and like, isn't he busy? Like, isn't he like doing something around the earth somewhere that's like universal and catastrophic? As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times as I've prayed with someone and I encourage them, you can go to God with your issues. I love to pray with you, but you can go to God with these things. Like during the week, you can go right to God. If you've accepted Jesus, then the sin barrier between you and God has been broken. And now because of the blood of Jesus, you can march boldly into the throne room of God and you can receive grace from him. And a lot of times like, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, isn't God busy? Isn't he? And that comes a lot of times from even authority figures in our lives. Parents, let me tell you why we wanna not just be at the ball games, at the activities, providing financially, but we wanna be emotionally available for our kids. And that can be hard sometimes. Why do we wanna be emotionally available? Because we're training them even on how they view God's emotional availability. One of my team members, I'm not saying this to highlight me, This just happened, but they said to me, this made a big impact on me, okay? One of my team members, this was 
a couple of years ago, one of my kids, one of my daughters was having an emotional moment. Come on, anybody raising daughters, praise God. I got three, we have lots of emotional moments. She's having a little emotional moment. There was a lot going on that day. I don't remember what it was, but there was, I just remember that it was kind of chaotic, it was busy, I was in my office. My daughter kind of comes by, she's dealing with something emotionally. And I'm just, I just, in that moment, I just dropped everything and just went right to her. In fact, she sat down in a chair and I just got down on one knee and I said, look at me. I just started processing what was going on with her, okay? Now some of you say, why did, why did you do that? Well, first of all, she's way more important to me than anything going on at the church. <laughs> No offense. But second of all, I was really concerned for her. I did that. You say, well, what, 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 why is that important? Here's, here's what I'm telling you. So that image in her mind is, I don't have to get on God's calendar at a convenient time to be with him. I, I don't have to wait for the perfect scenario when everything is great in God's world. And so that whole picture of God may be life-changing for you. When we keep every weekend saying, he's not distant, he's with us, he's present, he's available, that could change your life emotionally if you just are coming to a place where you go, well, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna process with them. Second of all, recognize emotions are a great gauge, but they're a terrible guide. They, it's important to be honest about the emotions you're dealing with, the trauma, the trust issue, the fear issue, whatever it is, why? Because your emotions will manifest in your relationships, in your friendships, in your overall well-being, and they'll begin to show you what's going on on the inside. The only problem is you can't let them lead you because they lead us terribly. There's a belief in our culture, remember, we do what we feel, we do what we want to, and here's a big belief in our culture today, if I feel it deeply, it is true. If I feel it deeply, it is absolutely fact, and the fact is just because you feel it deeply doesn't make it true. You may have seen this little graph before, but it's, it is a, a progression of how our behaviors are influenced, beliefs, what you believe will dictate how you act and what you believe will then also influence your thoughts and our thoughts have a great deal of setting the course for our lives and then that will influence our behaviors. But here's the thought, any type, if you do psychological studies, if you read the Bible, if you work with people at any level, you realize this, even neuroscience is actually agreeing with the Bible and that is this, that the emotions jump the line. The emotions trump all of the beliefs, thoughts, actions, and behavior. If the enemy can make you afraid enough, he'll make you respond in a way that's inconsistent with your beliefs and your thoughts. If he can instill enough fear in you, you'll discard things that you believe are actually true and not do what you know to be true if your emotions get involved to enough degree. It'll cause the whole thing to not necessarily work in a linear fashion. Emotions are a powerful thing. That's why we can't let them be our guide, but we need to be understanding of them. The third thing is think about what you're thinking about. Basic, but very needed. We all have those situations in our lives, right? We have that person that we work with that's very difficult to get along with. We have that family member that we're concerned about that we walk with that is emotionally unstable or we ourselves feel emotionally unstable. We all are in this place where we're working through this. Some of us, again, we have extremely challenging environments that we live in and you say, what can I actually do about 
being more emotionally stable? Well, it's what you fill your mind with will fill your life. What you set your mind on, Romans 8, 6. I've been thinking about this verse the last few weeks. Is one you may wanna grab. So letting your sinful nature control your mind will lead to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So when you let the spirit of God start changing what you think about, here's a practical way to think about it. There's gonna be a thought this week that's gonna come in your mind. Well, the enemy's good too. It could be about a person that you actually love and they could make a statement and one thought could lead you down a trail of mistrust and hurt and problems regarding that person and that one little thing, the one little volleyball can end you up in a place where everything's in your tree. Come on now. If you've been married longer than two weeks, y'all know what I'm talking about. Not leaving the seat down or the toothbrush issue can lead to a fight later where you're like, you're just like your mom, you're just like your dad. And it's like it started with the seat. Commode. Not that big a deal. And what is actually a two on a scale of magnitude becomes a 10. A small two disagreement becomes a 10 disagreement where you're saying things that are gonna have major ramifications in your relationship and it all started with a thought. It all started with just a basic thinking. So here's, here's maybe something you might think this week, think okay, I'm gonna have something that may be a two, let me, Lord help me, let your spirit help me not make the two a 10. And in fact, something the enemy wants to make a 10, I'm gonna bring it down to a two, are you with me? That'll give you more peace in your life. Number four, remind yourself I can be emotionally healthy. Some of you have not had examples of that. You live in emotional turmoil, but I wanna tell you, I just wanna put a picture in your mind. Jesus came not just to save us for eternity, thank God for it, but he came to heal us emotionally. He came to, to touch every area of our life. Jesus' words, John 10, 10, not my words. And you have to begin to say, you know what? This is not my lot. I don't have to be emotionally disconnected like my father who had no way of being present or relating to us in an emotional way. I don't have to be emotionally dysfunctional like my mom or my sister. I don't have that. That doesn't have to be my lot. I can see myself having emotional stability because God wants to fill that area, right? We think about that physical bucket we think about that spiritual bucket. Can I encourage some of you? Look, and some of you that are real driven people, God wants to fill that emotional bucket, okay? I'm not talking about being led by emotions or violating truth. The truth of God's word actually is what fills that bucket. I, I, I'm not saying we just become touchy-feely people, but I am saying you better think about that emotional side because you're not going to have the energy to do the things God's created you to do if that bucket is depleted. So you gotta think about some of the relationships you hang around. We need to love people well, but look, if every relationship in your life is an emotionally draining relationship, then you better find some friends that can pour into you emotionally that are life-giving. You may just need to have some fun. Okay, I'm a pastor, and you think, man, we're just a good word of God, praise God. But let me give you something real practical. Lighten up a little bit. Have some fun. Laugh a little bit, right? You're like, Pastor Jeff, how have you survived ministry? I laugh a lot. We just try to make life fun. Look, we, there's plenty of stuff to live miserable about. 
Bible says that a cheerful heart is like medicine. I believe my cholesterol's better because I laugh a lot. You're like, I don't know if I agree with that. Try it. Try it. Number five, and I want to be very practical as I end. Learn how to fight negative thoughts and emotions. Learn how to fight. Everybody say fight. You have to up the game a little bit, especially if negative thoughts and emotions are dominating your atmospheres where you live. Negative thoughts and emotions. I love 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments. Come on. We're, we're not just subject to our thoughts and emotions like we just got to lay down and let all of that be what we are. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We, we take some of those things. You're like, Pastor Jeff, you're a pastor all these years in ministry. I have to do it all the time. All the time I have to do it. Because you're carrying burdens of people, you have great concern for people, you have situations, you're carrying emotional weight, you're raising children. Look, you have to learn how to take that thought. Say, you know what? I'm not gonna let that thought lead me down that path. I gotta take that thought captive. On Friday night, I didn't sleep real good. Two o'clock in the morning, man, I had a dream, you know, and I'm, I have a vivid imagination. I have wild dreams sometimes. And there was a dog or an animal or a zombie beast, dog rat thing. I don't know what it was in my dream. I can't even tell you what it was, but it had teeth and it was biting my foot. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, you need therapy. I'm in it. And I started kicking in the bed. My wife woke up. Honey, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. It's a dog beast biting my leg. I'm getting older, so I use that as an opportunity to go to the bathroom. Come on, somebody. Capitalize on the moment. Maximize the situation. This is funny, you lay there for 45 more minutes thinking about what you gotta do next week and how am I gonna solve that problem and what about this? Y'all know how thoughts will just come up on you, right? And it's just like, I don't know what that thing was, it was in my dreams, but I'm gonna tell you, there's a, some kind of dog, mean beast with teeth in your head. And it's coming to destroy your life. And so we have to take those thoughts. We have concerns and it's okay because if you're a passionate person, you have a concern. You have concerns. We want to control our lives. We don't want to feel this way. We don't want to relate this way. We want to have more control of our emotions. We don't want to admit that we have emotional things. Here's something that I just want to offer to you. Really the truth is there's only a small portion of your life where your concern and your control actually meet. A lot of what we're concerned about, we don't have that much control over. And there's the God factor that's over all of it. God's in control of all of it. He's in control of our concerns and he can meet us at our concerns. But here's something when you're like, what do I do though? Well, that small portion that overlaps there is your thoughts. That's a place where the two overlap, what you're concerned about and what you can control. So you have to start asking questions, is it true? What does God say about this, right? What does God say about it? What can I do about this situation? I wanna tell you this story and pray for you. 
Last two weeks, we've had Discovery 101, um, and that's the first step in our grow track, and if you're new, we'd love to have you. We have it the first of every month, and it's just a chance for you to hear more about what God's doing here and have a chance to connect and become part of it, and so we've had two of those. We usually just have one. We've had so many people uh, this month, and so we had two, and I I was uh, just amazed at what God did. By the way, I love to tell you these stories. Out of those two weeks, 46 people gave their heart and life to Christ. Is that amazing? That's something to celebrate. You're in a church where Jesus is bringing people dead in their sin to newness of life. But the last week, the last person, after the class I shake hands with people, the last person in line, it's kind of weird how that works a lot of times, the last person in line was a precious lady, a math teacher, She was one of those at the first of the class when I said, Jesus can change your life. She'd been thinking about it and investigating it. I was talking about heaven. She lost her mom five years ago. She told me later, she said, when you said, I can see my mom in heaven, I wanted to know more about this Jesus. And so she prayed, she received Jesus in that class, accepted Christ, and she cried the entire class. What was happening? Not just, she's a math teacher now. She's she, she, she just, she's a principle-oriented person. She was kind of analyzing this whole Jesus thing. But what happened was she got a new spirit, a new heart, but Jesus was starting to work also even at a deeper level than that, not just saving her to go see her mom in heaven, but starting the saving work of dealing with the traumas and the challenges and the emotional things that she had been living through. And so that for her was overwhelming. So she's walking through it. And I was standing there talking to her about it. And and she was trying to kind of understand it. Math teacher, what are the principles? And she started talking to me about, just about in her class, the principal had given them the word yet that they wrote on the board, yet, or put it as a picture on the board. And that way, when a kid comes into class and says, I don't understand multiplication, the teacher could point them to the fact that you say, I don't understand it now, yet you will. You don't understand it yet. I don't understand division, yet. (laughs) I I, I don't understand fractions, yet. So I love it when, you know, you can teach the teacher. She's like, how's all this gonna work and what's going on? She's got a lot of questions. I said, look, you just keep coming to Jesus like you are right now with your openness, with your heart, with your full self. I know you've had trauma. I know you're thinking about family. You're wondering how does all that work? Family, relationships, wholeness, emotional, all of that stuff you've been burying. Right now you don't see it, but you will yet. It hasn't happened yet. And she said, so what you're saying is, a year from now, I'll be, like I tell my kids, a year from now, you'll be smarter than you were when you first came. And I said, exactly. In one year, if you'll bring your emotions to Jesus, if you'll bring your pain to Jesus, if you'll bring your grief to Jesus, if you'll bring your background to Jesus, if you'll bring the full you, he will do amazing healing in your life. And so just like that lady, all of us find ourselves there whether we wanna admit it or not. We need him to do things inside of us. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head. Some of you, you say he brings back the dead to life. Well. I'm gonna ask if you would for just a moment not to move around because I think there are some people here right here in this moment or maybe watching me 
that there are, there, there's a big decision you need to make. You see some of the emotional things, but you haven't made this connection that when Jesus comes into my life, he heals me there too. And I'm gonna ask you right where you are just to say yes to Jesus. You, you've tried all the other methods, but oh, what Jesus can do. And just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, here I am, just like I am. I believe you died for me, you rose from the dead. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life, do you believe this? So just what Jesus said on that day to Martha in the midst of her pain, he says it to you too. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the resurrection. I believe you are the way, and I want you to become my Jesus. And when he comes into your life, he'll change you forever. But Lord, I pray for a second group right now. There's some of you here, you know Jesus, but your strength is many times your own resolve Sometimes even what motivates you is some of the things broken in the emotional tank of your life. And Jesus, I ask you to fill that area of our lives. The fullness of life that you promised us in John 10, 10, Lord. Lord, I pray right now for stability in homes and stability in marriages and stability in relationships with children and even the emotional health to walk into our work life. We can't do it on our own, but we thank you that you fill us with something that's outside of us and that's your very person. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.